Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. in a series called Find Your People, Love Your Neighbor. And uh, we're closing out this series with uh, Jansen and Juanita on stage with me. And uh, we're each going to take a, a short segment. And uh, we're going to have three different messages uh, coming your way. So just in brief, uh, find your people, love your neighbor. Uh, we know that God created us to need and know each other. But we often ask, what does that look like? What does that practically look like? How do we build lasting friendships that make life better? And it can be challenging to let people in. Is it challenging for you? Yeah, I know. It's for me too. It's challenging to let people in, allow them to see the real us as who I am. But it's, uh, there's a level of trust that is built when we let that happen. And I believe that it changes our lives when we open ourselves up and let other people in. So today we want to talk about how do we combat the enemy of our mental health? How do we combat the enemy of our mental health? We believe the answer is at least partially found in the questions that we've been asking in this series about how to get healthy, how to have deep, authentic, meaningful relationships. I wonder if you found yourself like I have at the back of a crowded room and um, you're still feeling alone. Like even if you're with a whole bunch of people. I had someone call me uh, last uh, week before last and just talk to me about how lonely. They had this deep loneliness. And it's not because they weren't with people. They were with lots of people. But the depth of the relationships with those people were pretty shallow. They weren't connecting well. And so even when we're with a whole bunch of people, we can feel a deep sense of loneliness. I, I navigated this when I was 19 years old and decided I was not going to live in the same community and, and in the same faith community as I had grown up in. I made a really tough decision. And it felt like, and it really was, a moment in my life at 19 years old when I had all these friends over here and I decided to go a different direction and I had no one over here. Deep loneliness is a real thing, especially when we find ourselves in a new community, when we find ourselves in a new space that we've never been in before. Loneliness can be really, really difficult. Loneliness is also shows up when, um, even when our schedules are full. It doesn't mean our lives are full and vibrant. Our hearts can be empty even when our schedules are full. We can say a lot of words and still have little to no authentic conversation. As I've learned more about the impact of our connection with each other on our mental health, I've learned what mental health experts have been telling us, that our pursuit of a life of independence is an attempt at designing our lives so that we don't need each other. Let me say that again. 
that our pursuit of a life of independence, because it's un-American not to be independent, right? Pick yourself up. Let's go. That's how we've been trained. That's how we've been taught. And there are some really good things about that. But when we try to create a life, design a life that makes sure that we don't ever need anyone, this is where we fall back into a place that most of us really don't want to be there because uh, we don't want to need uh, other people and we really don't want other people to need us. Don't we avoid situations where people might need us? Let me step back. Let me go the other direction. Have you seen yourself standing in the back of the room, scrolling on your phone from a safe distance just to keep all interactions at a distance? Uh, me too. <laughs> I've done that. In particular, in certain situations, you know, well, let me just step back to the back of the room. Let me just be on my phone and maybe you'll leave me alone. Maybe, maybe you're like me and you go to the gym and you put earphones on for the specific purpose. I mean, that is a strong indicator. Leave me alone. Well, that's just how I do things at the gym. I'm not adverse to talking to people. But sometimes, you know what's the most annoying thing ever? Is when, no, when people don't see that cue and just ignore it. They may see it, but they just ignore it and they come up and they interrupt you anyway. That's real stretch for some of us. Happened to me this week. We bank online, we shop online, we get our sermons online. We're intentionally pursuing a life that according to the experts and according to the results, I mean, look around, we're getting, we're getting these results that we don't really want. It's contributing to the destruction of our mental health and it's robbing us from experiencing real joy and lasting fulfillment. This is not the way God intended nor how we were created to live. So how do we live a life of genuine connection? How do we, how do we belong to each other? How do we find purpose? Galatians 6.2, Paul writes these words. He says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Some translations would say, in this way fulfill the law of Christ. What is the love of Christ? Or what is the law of Christ? It is love God and love neighbor. We're called to honor God by not ignoring each other's problems and burdens. We get close enough to know and share the burdens of life. I, I was talking to Brenda about this message, message this morning, and I, I quoted the verse incorrectly and said, carry each other's burdens, and she's like, wait a second. I don't think we're supposed to carry each other's burdens. If I carry someone else's burden, that means like I'm lifting it off of them and putting it on my shoulders. We're to come alongside each other. We're to share each other's burdens. So today I want to help. Uh, I want you to help me welcome Jansen and Juanita as we consider how we fulfill the law of Christ. How do we carry each other's burdens? Well, we believe we do this when, and this is going to be interesting, when we share our food when we show our flaws, and when we fight together. So, let's do this. I don't know if uh, any of y'all know me. Uh, I'm sure some of you know me. I don't know why I said that. Uh, I'm really picky. And it's really funny that Gene asked me to talk about sharing our food when no one ever wants to share with me because... I only eat peanut butter and chicken and steak 
and all the stuff that no one else wants because they say it's bland. Whatever. I'm Jansen. I'm the student director here. Uh, I get the honor and privilege of leading uh, your students uh, through the most tumultuous times of their lives, uh, where me and the leaders that uh, are also pouring into your students get to help set trajectories for them. It's been an honor and privilege. It's been so fun. I grew up in Cincinnati. Uh, in Cincinnati, I was super involved in my youth group. I was super involved in community outside of my own home. Uh, I had these neighbors. My brother and I uh, would always go, Tori, she's sitting here in the front row, we'd always go to the Hams. Our neighbors, the Hams. Yes, that's their last name. I wish I was making it up. This is food. Their last name's Hams. I know, I know. We would go there, over there every single day. Uh, like, I'm not even joking. Every single day, we would mob around the neighborhood on our ripsticks and on our bikes and just kind of do goofy things. Hams were great. Reason one, they had a trampoline. Reason two, we got to eat their popsicles. It was phenomenal. It was great. They were also fun to hang out with. We had, uh, you know, su created such a, a relationship and a bond with them. Uh, and then in 2010, my freshman year in high school, uh, my dad got a new job in, in, uh, in South Bend, and it ripped us out of Cincinnati, uh, quite, quite dramatically uh, for some of us. And uh, we never got to visit the Hams much. We had been back every other week, probably, to visit other people. But for whatever reason, we never went back to the Hams house until about a year we were in our neighborhood for whatever reason, and Ryan and I looked at each other and we're like, we're gonna go visit the hams. Like, this is gonna be sick. You know how you get when you're doing like a little surprise, you kind of get like, you're shaking a little bit. We're knocking on the door, super pumped. Kyle opens the door. We have, mind you, we haven't seen him in a year. He says, Jansen, Ryan, you want some pizza? Sure, I guess. That's the first thing that came out of his mouth. And unlike a lot of us, we don't, our first tendency is not to share our food, right? Our first tendency is not to share what we hold close, what we hold tight. It's not how it was meant to be. It's not how the early church did it. In Acts 4, verse 32, uh, it says, All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. They didn't only share their food. They didn't only share their popsicles, their things, their trampolines. They shared their lives. They shared their ups and downs. They, they shared their troubles, their, their, their mountains and their valleys, and everything in between. Ryan and I, uh, my brother, we, we didn't share like that very often, but we shared our love for snacks. We still share our love for snacks. Ryan and I had a tendency to uh, eat a lot. I mean, we're teenage boys. That's what you do as a teenage boy. Your job is to go to school and eat. So uh, we, we had a tendency to, to open something and then eat all of it, like Oreos, open, gone. 36 or however many Oreos are in that pack, gone, right? Fruit snacks, gone. Little Debbie cakes, gone. Now, for whatever reason, Eggo waffles was like our jam. 
And not just like the little, the little boxes of Eggo waffles, like the jumbo size 24 pack waffles. We even had a game where we could see how many waffles we could fit in our mouth at once. That's how much we love these waffles. So if we open a giant pack of 24 waffles, they're gone in a day. We, we didn't have pantry rights. We had to ask. We're like, hey mom, can we open up this snack? Because we knew what the implications were. Our mom did not grant us pantry rights. We couldn't just go and get whatever we wanted at any time. Now, my friend Hunter, oh, that boy had pantry rights. I was over at his house for one of the first times, and he's like, hey, you want to get a snack? I'm like, heck yeah, I want to get a snack. Like, let's go talk to your mom. He's like, what? What are you talking about? Just go get a snack. I'm like, dude, you're joking, right? Sure enough, we get to his pantry and not to be dramatic or anything, but the door opened up, fog rolled out the bottom, doves flew, a warm light crest my face. It was amazing. Hunter had pantry rights. He could get whatever he wanted at any time. He was trusted. We need people in our lives who have full access to whatever we offer. And it's so, so hard to get that door open. It's not our first instinct to open the door and let people in and say, here, have my, my, best, uh, my best wisdom. Have my best self. Have my experiences. Here, take my guidance. We all need community. We all need people who can open up our pantry and say, all right, everything's fair game. Dig away. You can even tap into the ego waffles. The things that I hold closest to my heart, they're open for you. This is how we grow close, guys. I have a friend named Justin. I know it's a lot of stories today. I'm sorry. I have a friend, Justin, a um, surprise friend. He is uh, one of my best friends. Justin is the, the kind of friend that will come over whether he's invited or not and we will make him dinner and we'll sit down on the patio and just hang out and talk about life. Justin has pantry rights from me. Ooh. Justin is Uncle Justin. He's part of the family. He's part of the crew. It's an honor and a blessing to just do life with him. And that's not something that just came along. That took effort. That took opening the door. That took allowing him in and looking at all of my unorganized things that I have, all of my mess, all of my garbage, all of my empty boxes that for whatever reason stay in the pantry. We all need people like that in our lives, and we also need to be people like that in, in their lives. Justin would, would show me support, he would listen, he would always point me back in the right direction, and he wasn't afraid to say, Jansen, you're being stupid, you need to go the other way. What you're doing is not good. We all need people like that. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We hear that all the time, but we forget how abrasive that process is. 
We forget how hard that process is. It's literally scraping metal from metal. Deep friendships, meaningful friendships are not easy, but they're so worth it. Justin's on my team. I'm on his team. Because we both have pantry rights. We've helped each, each other embody the mindset of, of what's yours is mine and what, what's mine is yours. And at some point in your life, you're going to have struggles. It says it in the Bible. So when that time comes, are you gonna stay guarded? Are you gonna keep that door closed and with your foot jammed up against it? Or are you gonna open it up and let people look at your unorganized pantry? Start digging up all the snacks. It's not easy, but in order to go far, we have to grow close. And in order to grow close, we have to share our food. Unorganized pantries are okay. Having flaws is okay, but you have to make sure you show them. Good morning. I'm Juanita. I'm the kids director, and I am nervous. Um, but in the same way that we have to share food, how he shared about pantry rights, we have to give those out. We all have flaws. We all have things in our life we're not proud of, and we need to show those. We have, some of us have a past that we can't seem to forget, or maybe a mountain of debt we'd love to forget. There's a secret addition, maybe addiction. Maybe we have a marriage that's barely surviving. We want to share it, right? But the fear of rejection is going to hold us back. It keeps us in that bondage. It keeps us scared. It keeps us from showing who we really are. It keeps us from being real. Because let's be honest, we all have them, and that's real life. When we act like we're perfect and there's nothing wrong, that's fake. And that's not going to move us forward. I really do understand that. I, I get it. Um, for a very long time, I lived with the mindset of I am not good enough. I'm not enough. I don't fit in. Who am I? What can I offer? What is it that I could bring to the table? Um, I grew up in a very conservative church. I grew up in a way um, that my life was basically somewhat planned for me. Um, in my junior high years, we did move into maybe a little bit of a less conservative culture. But that, the culture still, there was just a ton of shoulds in my life. The way I should look, the way I should dress, what I should want, what I should say. It was just kind of, there was not a ton of room for me to be me to ask questions. I couldn't really wonder. I couldn't really um, explore or dream, to be honest, because it was just so big and so out there and nobody did it. So I soon learned that if I just stay back, I stay in my lane, I do what I'm supposed to, keep my head down, don't make waves, don't be seen, just do what you're supposed to do. Um, I would be good, right? I'm gonna be good. Nobody's gonna see me, nobody's gonna get me in trouble because I'm also the oldest child type A personality that follows all the rules. So it wasn't that hard for me to be honest. I could, could sit into that pretty quickly. However, as I, grow, as I grew up, matured, and in my relationship with Jesus, there were like sometimes little holes poked into that theory, right? But the, the bulk of that theory was still there and kind of kept me from being who I was supposed to be. It wasn't until I went through some pretty tra traumatic couple years and the beginning of 2023 was a year I was forced to do some hard work on my mental health and my physical health. 
with um, the help of some very trusted people, I got pretty real. And I, I got to know that I was never made to fit in, right? I was never made to be put in the back corner. Psalms 139.14 tells me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made and that God's works are wonderful. And we all know that full well. We don't often take a wonderful work and put it in the back corner and let it just sit there. We bring it out and we put it in its spot and we let that work shine, right? That's what I was created to do. I have a mission that God has laid on my heart to do. And when I got real and when I talked to people and I shared who I really was, I began to shine, right? And then also in verse six, uh, 139.16 in Psalms, it says that my days were ordained and they were written in his book before I lived any of them. So see, God was in my head and he was giving me dreams and he was pushing me forward, right? In all of that time. And when I, full, when I step into who he's called me, I'm still working on it, right? Still working on it. But with God's help, I know that I was made to make waves. I was created to be different. I was never created to fit into that, that image or those shoulds that I was brought up in. And I can't do this on my own. None of us can, right? But when we bring it out into the light, we shed some light on it, Jesus can redeem all of those flaws when we show them. In 2 Corinthians um, 4, 7, it says that, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and it's not from us. See, back in the time when Paul wrote this, jars of clay were, had very little value. And a lot of times they would put the treasures in there to not draw attention so they could keep the treasures kind of safe and hidden. And so this is Paul telling us that that's who we are. We have little value until we let Jesus in, and then we become these shining treasures, right? And through the cracks and through all of our flaws, that light of Jesus comes out and he redeems it all. He redeems all the things that we think are too bad or not good enough. He comes in and he makes them good enough. And he, he, we, just, we just can't do it without him. Um, I'd like to read a paragraph where, as a staff, we're reading a book. It's called How to Worship a King. Um, and I feel like this kind of sums up what I was trying to say. There's actually a benefit to putting water in a broken, cracked vessel. If the purpose of the vessel is to water the world, it leaks. God takes this earthen vessel, cracked and unlovely, and fills it to overflowing with the water of life. Then he takes this same flea market reject of a, of a pot and carries it all over the world. And everywhere I go, I leak through those mistakes I thought would disqualify me. I leak through those same wounds the devil thought would destroy me. And those same cracks the world said would detract from my value, and God gushes through it all. So when I step into, God, step into and I show you my flaws, I show you who I really am, God comes in and he redeems that. Guys, I'm standing on the stage and I'm sharing part of the message. If somebody would have told me a year ago I was going to do this, I would have laughed. But because I'm stepping into who God has called me to be, I'm doing what I need to do. And guys, so can you. Find a trusted friend. Find somebody. Share the flaws. Share the shortcomings. And do it. Okay? Because honestly, we can impress people with our strengths. We can be superheroes to a lot of people. But when we show them our flaws, when we 
get to meet people in the, in the pits and we walk together and pull each other out, that's where real connection happens. That's where real life change happens. And that's where God can truly do his best work. So good. Thank you, Winita and Jansen, both, for those beautiful words. So we're talking about sharing our food. We're talking about uh, not hiding our flaws. And I want to talk to you about the fact that we have an enemy to defeat. See, we fight together. We share our food. We show our flaws. And we fight together. We have an enemy that wants to take us out. And when we are isolated... It often happens when we're isolated. We're convinced that we're just alone in this whole thing. Like I don't have people to come alongside where I can share my food. I don't have people to come alongside and reveal my flaws. Some of us are believing the lie that we are all alone and no one can actually understand our position in life. No one can understand what we've gone through or what we're going through right now because we haven't placed ourselves in a position. Maybe we've been scared. Maybe we feel shame and anxiety. Sometimes, do you have this feeling? Your Your chest tightens up and you begin to feel completely anxious. I'm all alone. Like no one could actually understand what I'm going through. Those feelings come out of nowhere sometimes. You believe you're never enough. No matter how hard I try, I will never measure up. I keep making the same stupid mistakes over and over and over. Why would I bother? And who even cares anyway? These are the things that run through this soundtrack in our head on a regular basis. But 1 Peter 5, Peter writes these words. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He doesn't say, hey, watch out for your weak enemy, the devil. No, he says, watch out for your great enemy. He's not something you want to mess with unless you have the power of Almighty God inside of you. When we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to the power of God in us. Peter Peter goes on, he says, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Be alert. Stay on guard against the enemy. It reminds me of when someone is in active duty in the military. They're on guard. They're staying alert. You don't see them being on duty and not paying attention to what's going on around them. High alert, high alert. And you know what? When we get tired, when we're exhausted, that's the time when we really need people around us to say, hey, can you, can you watch for me? Can you stay on guard for me? Would you be alert to the dangers around me? Can you help me? Because together, together, we know that we can achieve anything. And when we have have the recognition that we have a Savior, we have an advocate who fights our battles for us, man, together we fight from victory, not for victory. The victory's already been won, but it's difficult to remember. And so that's why we need comrades around us to say, hey, remember, 
Remember who you are. Remember what's been accomplished. Remember where you've come from. Remember what you've done. And remember that God has called Jesus, has, has sent Jesus to cover all of our past, our present, and our future. If we remember that Jesus has won the ultimate battle over hell, death, and the grave, our perspective shifts. We begin to think differently. And we see more clearly that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against the evil one, the unseen world that, frankly, sometimes manifests itself in real time by using real people to bring about their demonic intentions. So stand firm. Recognize the evil around you. Stand firm. Know that the victory is in you. It's already been won. And move forward. This is where the victory lies. Satan can be sent running. You guys, he can be sent running by our resistance when we exercise the authority of Jesus' work on the cross in our lives. When we fight together, when you and I fight together, sharing what is ours, being transparent about what is true about us, when we link arms around each other to carry each other across the finish line, this is the power of God working in us. This is when we recognize that when we humble ourselves before God and, oh, this is hard. I can humble myself before God. But sometimes it's really hard to humble myself before my brothers and sisters. It's sometimes really difficult. No, most of the time it's really difficult to acknowledge that we have weaknesses, that we aren't all that, that we actually have flaws. But when we say, hey, uh, I can't do this alone. You guys, this is where the power of community rises up. And this is where, this is where we stand together to say, not on our watch. Not on our watch. We're here for each other. The first century believers were in dire straits. Jansen re referred to Acts chapter 4. They had to have each other's back. They didn't have an option. If they were going to survive, they were going to have each other's back, and we need that too. But many of us don't remember this. We've forgotten, but today I hope that you're encouraged to experience the love of your heavenly Father through the gift of relationship with his people. For some of you today, it's time for you to step toward others in this community. For some of you today, it's time to initiate friendship, a relationship. For some of you today, it's time to join a serve team here at Restore, to get into a dinner party, to get into a Bible study, to get help with your finances through Financial Peace University. Or for some of us, it is time for us to step into joining a crew. See, this is how we can share each other's burdens. You help me with mine, I'll help, your, help you with yours. We share our food, we show our flaws, and we fight together. Would you stand with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we hear these words of opening ourselves up to the difficulty of sharing and giving pantry rights to show the disorganized, the imperfect nature of ourselves and showing our flaws like, God, you've, you've, you sent Jesus and Jesus humbled himself 
humbled himself to the cross. And we hear that, and it's, it's hard for us to imagine or to reconcile that you would come in the flesh, humble yourself to take on humanity, and then to die on the cross for our sin, breaking your body, having your blood spilled for our redemption. And we want to stand in the back of the room and not engage because of the fear that we have submitted ourselves to. Father, forgive us for our lack of trust, for the lack that we just assume is our lives. And instead of living, living into it and stepping into the abundant life that you've called us to, we are shirking back. We step back instead of stepping forward. So God, would you do what only you can do? Would you give us the courage, the energy? It doesn't mean we have to become extroverts when we're inclined to be introverts or become introverts even when we are extroverts. God, help us to see the value of being who we really are, showing our flaws and fighting together as your people to point even more people to you. God, let us step into the freedom that you've called us into today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.